Hello and welcome back to K-Drama Rants. My name is Melanie and I like to rant about K-dramas. Today's episode is episode two of What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. We last left off with the world's most and least marriage proposal. I will not be elaborating further on what that means. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Lee Young-jun, perplexed by Kim Mi-so's lack of interest in working for him until she drops dead, somehow convinced himself that it's because she likes him and decides that the only way to rectify what he perceives to be this amazing, huge, completely insurmountable problem proposes to her. But the way he does this is by saying the words, I'll let you marry me. Excuse you? Girl, I cannot wait to see where this goes, so let's get into it. This episode, Attorney Jung, President Park, whatever, that man asks Young Jun incredulously if he seriously asked Kim Mi-so to marry him, which he didn't, right? Like, that was not a proposal, but I guess he did, whatever. So anyway, in his retelling... Kim Mi-so was way more graceful than I ever would be. And upon hearing his proposal, suggest that maybe he had something to drink, which is why he was saying crazy shit. Whereas I personally would have laughed in his face or if past behavior is any indication of future behavior, I would have pretended I didn't hear anything. I'm not going to get into that story, but it works. If you just pretend you didn't hear nothing, it works. They'll just move on. Her reaction, obviously, greatly titillates President Park. But Young Jun is like, she obviously wants to get married, but I didn't do it right. So I have to do it right. And again, President Park, his besties, suggest that maybe that's not the problem. And that maybe, just maybe, Kim Miso does not want to marry him, which of course, is absurd, completely unthinkable to Young Jun. And I personally would like to have every episode in this show and with him proposing to Kim Mi-so in new and exciting ways. I think that'd be the ideal scenario for me, but we'll see where it goes. At her place, Mi-so seems to think about it, which more than I ever would. And Young Jun's girlfriend interrupts her musing by showing up to her house and throwing a tantrum that she saw him there. And she's complaining that there must be something between him and Miso because he's showing up to her house. And Miso reassures her that there is not, but she does let her know that she knows that they haven't slept together, even though they've known each other for a month. And this is incredible. It is so rare that K-dramas even accept that sex exists as a concept and here we're straight up admitting that it does not take that long to get to the bedroom once you're an adult. Beautiful. No notes. Great. I love that. Love that we're talking about sex as it is a normal thing that people do. So anyway, Young Jun's girlfriend is, of course, surprised that Miso would even know that. So much so that she forgets to treat Miso as her elder, which Miso immediately stops in his tracks. She's like, no, if you're in my house and you're talking to me, and I'm older than you, you're going to refer to me with honorifics, okay? And the girlfriend's like, oh, okay. 
And then Mithal breaks down exactly the relationship that she, his girlfriend, and Young Jun have. She's his Tuesday arm candy for his networking events, and his Thursday arm candy got terminated once she did exactly as this woman is doing right at this very moment, throwing a tantrum. And then Mithal lets her know that, in fact, Young Jun has never actually dated anyone or even slept with anyone. And she, as his secretary, knows this better than anyone. That's weird. That's really weird. I hope we recognize that that's weird later. We're not, but I really hope they do. His girlfriend cannot believe this and jumps to the conclusion that many would arrive at and that it says he's gay. He should be, but he is not. According to Miso. Sure. And Miso's reasoning for why it is that he doesn't date people is because he is so conceited that no one could ever possibly come to the standards of perfection he would expect from his partner. And I hope you can hear my eye roll through that one because, oh my god. <laughs> I'm really hopeful for his simping redemption arc. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. I'm really, really hopeful. It might not be the case that that's what happens, but I really want that simp action afterwards. Then in a flashback, we see how the two, Miso and Yongjun, met and how she immediately knew who he was because he gave off the vibes that he was full of himself because he was the chairman's son. And she's disclosing all of this to his apparently not girlfriend. <laughs> I guess having a little chismosa moment, dishing the gossip. So then Miso tells her that she deserves someone better than him who only cares about himself and she thanks Miso for the advice. Also, it's very strange to say the word Miso because like my brain is like Miso, but it's Miso. And I want it to be soup, but it's not soup. That was not a tangent. Anyway, <laughs> President Park and Young Jun are still talking about the problem of her rejecting him. And of course, Young Jun will never accept that anyone wouldn't want someone as perfect as himself. And then Park is like, well, why do you need her? specifically like she's not particularly well educated or like special really and young jonah's like she's my favorite toy i want her okay he doesn't actually say that but he implies it it's heavily implied and park asks him again if he likes me as a woman and young Jun refuses to answer the question and says that she's like a custom fitted suit to him so he needs her Bro, have you considered that the reason why she's perfectly suited to you is because she's good at her job? Bro, this guy's gonna try me this whole show. Why are you comparing a woman to a thing? A suit. Come on. So he lives dramatically after making the statement about her being like a piece of clothing to him. And then we see Kim Misol saying goodbye to Young Jun's not quite girlfriend after their goss session. And the girl is delighted by their conversation and, like, tries to spark a friendship with Miso, but Miso cannot wait to see her go, especially after the girl asks Miso if she's found a man who will care for her. And she's like, why would you ask such a thing? That's so mean. That's so rude. Uncalled for. She doesn't say that, but, like, you can see it. You can see it in her eyes. <laughs> And of course, this causes her to be sad and she picks up her childhood journal where she talks about how her oppa 
brought her candies. And it is unclear if this is boyfriend oppa or big brother oppa. And I really fucking hope it's big brother oppa because the handwriting of her childhood journal is very young child handwriting who should not be having boyfriends. But we know that I am want to be wrong. And I really don't want to be. But it's likely that I will be wrong. <laughs> Young Jun drives home from Park's place, I guess, from moodily remembering what he said to Miso after she rejected him. And he doesn't even want to accept to himself that he loves her and even thinks to himself that this huge hullabaloo is because her leaving would inconvenience him. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to do for a small inconvenience. Perhaps consider reflecting on how much you're doing over a small inconvenience. Then the next day at work, the new secretary and Miso say hi to each other, and she introduces the new secretary, Kim, to the office gossips, and Asuka, a girl, her name is Bonsera, is, of course, upset that it is not her who is taking over the secretary position. And then Yong Jun passes by, and he is unhappy pouting, and he closes himself up in his office, and then Kim Bisa trains the new Kim Bisa. <laughs> they go through all the files that she has to learn, and Misa reminisces of the early days when Young Jun yelled at her for making mistakes. More importantly, back in the day, he used to call her by her name. So I'm like, mm, when did that change, huh? And also, back in the early days of her being his secretary, she she fought back and even threatened to quit. And he took her back, but like, I wish she stayed like that. Keep fighting with this man. This man needs somebody to fight back. Even if you lose your job, there's other jobs. Calm down. Don't actually follow my advice. Get your bag. Do what you need to to survive. And then the memory ends on a happy note? Questionable. Because he let her come back to work after he yelled at her. Fuck you mean this is a happy memory? No, absolutely not. Then later... Since she still hasn't fully ramped up the new secretary, she lets Yong Jun know that his dinner appointment isn't happening and she asks for the rest of the day off because she's done with her tasks and he tries to swamp her with new work, but she's already done everything. She is on top of her game, so he admits defeat. And again, at lunch with Park, Yong Jun bitches about Secretary Kim quitting. And of course, because Park knows he can't change his boss friend's mind, he tells him that he has to do like he usually does when trying to close a deal. Cater to her every whim in order to keep her around. So, he convinces Young Jun to date Kim Mitho. Back in the office, there's a side, side storyline where Ascot Woman is in the office with new secretary Kim. And Ascot Woman prevents new secretary Kim from making a mistake but and it's kind of clear to me that new secretary kim knows exactly what she's doing because she's like pretending to be inept and letting other people do her job for her pretending she's helpless and ascot woman is starting to catch on so there's like this 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 b plot i'm gonna I'm refer to it i'm like when 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 we switch over to B-plot, I'm going to be like, okay, so back to B-plot. 
Just remember this. That afternoon, the gossip crew at the office plans a dinner to welcome the new secretary. And they celebrate that they're going out to eat meat by cheering, whooping, and hollering and stuff. And from what I've gathered, and please don't quote me on this, it seems like barbecue or just grilling meat is usually reserved for special occasions. So these people are psyched, okay? <laughs> and Young Jun sees them get excited. And because he has no plans for that evening, he decides to crash his employee's party. What a great boss. <laughs> and right before he does, we go back to B-plot and Ascot Woman and the new secretary have a little bit of an encounter where Ascot Woman tells her that she knows that she's being fooled whenever the new secretary bamboozles her into doing things for her. I don't actually know if they're if she's supposed to be naive and innocent and if Ascot Woman is reading too much into it or if she is actually pretty cunning. I'm sure this will be defined later on. And when they get back to the table, every office gossip has some sort of small misfortune where things spill and stuff. And they all take that as a bad omen. And obviously, the portent is of Yong Jun showing up to the dinner and fucking it up. Obviously, he does not know how to behave at a casual barbecue spot. And of course, everyone is uncomfortable around him because he's their boss. And he really fucks up the relaxed atmosphere they had going. So he starts asking them about work stuff. And Kim Miso is like, do not? What is wrong with you? She doesn't actually say that, but she's like, don't. <laughs> and everyone starts suggesting what I'm assuming to be drinking games. And they're all very relieved when he finally recognizes one and wants to play with them. And they land on the compliment game. This doesn't seem like a game to me but the structure of the game again not really a game is that one person chooses someone else to compliment and I would assume that there's some sort of drinking happening at that point but there was no drinking on this so I don't actually know if it's a drinking game anyway obviously the egomaniac Young Joon expects everyone to compliment him but new secretary Kim compliments old secretary Kim so everyone else at the table has to manage his ego and immediately compliments him. But Kim Miso wants to hit him where it hurts. And she compliments herself for taking such a huge burden off her shoulders, referring to her job and quitting, which hurts this man's feelings. But he won't say nothing about it. And she tries subtly to get him to leave the dinner, but new secretary Kim does not know what's going on and that they're all trying to get rid of him and inadvertently forces them to invite him to the Norebang later. Norebang is karaoke. And when they get there, none of them is having fun with their boss there in their cramped little Norebang. So Yong Jun decides to take them to a private room which is a lot larger and it's it's basically like a it's like a cabaret style place and they're able to spread out and sing and use their environment to sing and they have better refreshments there's a charcuterie board and all sorts of very expensive drinks <laughs> while they're sitting there enjoying the show that one of their co-workers is putting on young jun feeds miso some cheese which in fact would convince me and charm 
the fuck out of me. So that was smooth. That was real smooth. So then it's new Secretary Kim's turn to take the mic and a drunk ascot woman cannot let her have the spotlight, right? We're back to storyline B, right? Like this ascot woman is upset that she does not have new Secretary Kim's job. And so she takes the mic from new Secretary Kim only to start butchering the hell out of the song that Kim was singing and plead to the vice chairman to be his secretary instead. And it's all very uncomfortable. And everyone else tries to get her off the stage while Kim Mee-sil is like, I cannot believe that you would do this. I told you to stop drinking. And while they're trying to get her off the stage, she's too drunk to know what's best for her and what really to be doing. And so she stumbles onto Young Jun's lap, which immediately kills the vibe and everyone leaves. Then on their way home, he and Kim Misa share a car. She tries to ask him why would he try to go out with them today. He does not respond. And instead, when he drops her off at her place, he tries to get a compliment out of her and ends by letting her know that she's allowed to date him. And now she's put in the growth position of turning her boss down. And she does. She does turn him down. She tells him that he's not her style and he is stunned. I think from my uh, very limited understanding of Korean culture that style is kind of the Korean word for type. So like they use the literal word style, but it's not just like physically their style, although that is included. It's like their type, the, the type of person that they want to date, like the style of person that they want to date. And so he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm not your style? And she tells him that her style is a man who cares for her. And she says that shit three times over. And it confuses him because how could she say such a thing after he did things beneath him for her today? Like going out to a employee dinner. And she has to explain to him that unwanted consideration is not what she's looking for. <laughs> like, that's not the type of caring that she wants. So she goes inside where he immediately tries calling her and she, of course, refuses to answer the phone. So he texts her instead and he's still outside and she tries apologizing because he threw all of this at her out of nowhere and she's like, I should have maybe considered his feelings a little bit more, but the man is not concerned about that. No, he's concerned that she would say that he's not her style because he's like, I'm everybody's style. What do you mean I'm not your style? Like, I am the style. I'm the only style. <laughs> he thinks she's crazy. So she explains via text that he's self-centered and he like asks her like, oh, is this just payback for how I treated you these nine years? So he knows. He knows that he treated her like shit. That's so much worse. And she takes the opportunity to go off on this man. Good for her. And his response is that she never said no to all of the stupid fucking requests that he made. And she like is stunned. And I'm like, what? It's not like you could? What the fuck? It's your job? Like, how is she supposed to say no? This is not this is not a democracy. This is an employee, employer relationship. <laughs> I mean, I guess she could say no, but like, 
he has her livelihood in his hands. What do you mean? She finally tells him that he has no consideration for others, and he finally, finally leaves her apartment. Then he sends some cryptic shit. He's not texting and driving. Remember that he has a driver. And he sends some cryptic shit about the only ones able to speak or not speak. Unclear, really. It's not a very clear text message about consideration in front of him is his brother and her. She opens the message to get a clearer view of it. And she sees that she sent him a bunch of hearts unwittingly. So before going to bed, they both ponder the meaning of the hearts. Like for her, it was just like a mistext. And for him, it's like, what the fuck? Are, where, are this, where is this coming from? And so like in response to that is when he sends the cryptic shit about the only people able to speak about consideration in front of him is his brother and her. And I don't, again, it's very cryptic. I really, really could not decipher what he meant by that. And to be fair to myself, Kim Miso is also absolutely baffled by what the fuck that means. And then in, in his sleep, once they actually go to bed, he has a nightmare. And it's like a pretty spooky vibe of a nightmare of a woman in red heels carrying a stuffed bunny walking down the street with a suitcase at night. Then she goes into this abandoned house and she starts calling for a child. I'm assuming she's calling for him. And it's a very spooky looking abandoned house. There's like all sorts of spider webs everywhere. And it's entirely way more spooky wooky than I ever expected in this show. So that was an interesting shift. And he wakes up in a fright and checks his phone to find a text from his brother? Unclear? Whoever it is, they're named Lee Sung-yeon. They're having the same last name. So my assumption is that it is his brother. And the text just like lets him know that he's in pain. This whole scene was so much. What a fucking twist. Like, this is exactly what I'm looking for in a K-drama. The extreme tonal whiplash. You're watching a silly little romance happening. And then, like, surprise, there's some real spooky shit going on. And it seems like it's a flashback. Like, it's not just a dream, right? It seems like he actually experienced this. So there's now horror a brewing. I'm having a great time. The next day, he's listless from his nightmare as he gets ready for the day and remembers the first time Kim Miso tied his tie for him. And so he decides not to wear a tie because he's like, well, I can't do this. She used to do this for me. I cannot be lowered to an activity that I used to do normally without her. And now I have to do it myself. Absolutely not. He doesn't actually do that. It's supposed to be like a really touching scene of like, oh, she used to do this for me. I can't bear to do it myself. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, just put on your tie. So they're back at the office and she's at her desk trying to decipher his text. The really cryptic one about being able to talk about consideration. Again, it's super fucking cryptic. And one of the office gossip stops by and she asks him about Young Jun's older brother. And that sparked this knowledge in me that in K-dramas companies run on monarchical regimes the older brother is supposed to get the kingdom right like this company and he's not so that's spicy that's real spicy i did not realize that okay the gossip has never seen the older brother but 
he thinks that he might be overseas. And yet we saw that text last night that he's like, oh, I'm in pain. So are they just hiding him? Is this like a Kennedy situation? You know what I mean? Suspicious. This is suspicious. <laughs> then the vice chairman passes by, Young Jun, and he says nothing to Ascot woman, who he had seen be very drunk and land on his lap. And then Kim Misawa notices that he's not wearing a tie as he walks past her desk and goes into his office. So then she goes into his office to try to put a tie on him, but he concedes that he is conceited and self-righteous, which is what she told him over text and tells her that she's no longer required to do these things for him, like put on a tie. And to me, this seems like a dub. But for whatever reason, it's played as if she fucked up by her reactions to his words. Like, she seems sad by this. And I'm like, mm, no, this is exactly what you wanted. This is, these are the consequences of your actions. And they seem like good consequences to me. Like, you still have your job. And you don't have to be this man's personal assistant. Seems like a good time. Seems good. Then he says some shit about letting her go and not being able to have everything he wants and asks her to bear it for a month longer, like bear her job for a month longer during the transfer of duties to new Secretary Kim. And I'm like, this seems like you're getting what you want. And the thing is, the scene is played as if he's had so much growth in the last 12 hours, but there is no such thing as overnight personal growth. Like, I don't, I'm not about to pretend that he's learned his lesson overnight. It's just finally been beaten to him that he can't have what he wants. As the day goes on, he finally starts letting new Secretary Kim do her job, which makes him so sad for reasons. I don't get it. Like, maybe she's just used to being this guy's main man. She's used to being his right hand, and now she's not. She's like, hmm, I'm missing something. Maybe that's why. But again, this seems like a dub to me. And of course, and you know how I said it like like two seconds ago that they're trying to play in the show that he's grown overnight? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. I, I was not letting myself be fooled. <laughs> we learn that he's actively trying to make him be so jealous by interacting with new secretary kim when he asks her to go into his office just to sit in it for five minutes so that kim himself doesn't know what's going on he even tells new secretary kim that her job is to be kim Misol's secretary for the month and pretend that she's going to take over her job like he has something else in mind he's he's masterminding something else this man Ooh, I'm so upset. And then at dinner later, Kim Miso is out with her friends getting invited to a wedding and they tease her for not being in a relationship and not dating anybody. And they even try to set her up, but she winds up thinking about Young Jun instead. Girl, no! There is no reason for you to be thinking about that man. No. And then this devious little asshole sends a waitress to their table he's not there to have them fill out a questionnaire 
about what he should do to capture her attention. He doesn't actually like say that it's like, oh, this is to date Young Doon or whatever. Like in the questionnaire, it's just, what do you want to do on a first date with somebody? You know, things like that. And the way he formulated the questions, they kind of like spark something in Kim Miso's head. She's like, this, the way this sentence is structured sounds similar to how this man talks. Hmm. She doesn't suspect anything, but like she thought about it, you know? So after dinner, Young Joon has President Park get the questionnaires and sift through them to find the one filled out by Kim Miso. This man should consider therapy. That is diabolical. Oh my God. Get a job. And meanwhile, she goes home and cleans her apartment, which is looking like a mess and a half. And she's still worried about how Young Jun has treated her throughout the day, you know, like letting Kim, new Secretary Kim do her job. He even chewed Kim Miso out for not treating the new secretary properly. And I'm like, why are you feeling bad about this? This is good. You're no longer doing the job. But obviously the show wouldn't be the show if people had normal reactions to things that happened. And this is what I want from a K-drama. I want something so infuriatingly stupid, like the way characters react to things makes no internal logical sense. But that is what I'm here for. This is what I want from a K-drama. I want that absurdist, surrealist, completely devoid of internal consistency content. This is, this is great. I know that I rant, but I am having a delightful time. While she's cleaning all her worries away, she decides after she's done to look for the oppa in her childhood diary. So I'm assuming it's a boyfriend oppa, not her brother oppa, because if it were her brother, she would have known where he is, I would assume. Maybe not. I don't know. K-dramas are strange. And I don't know, like the way it's, happening it makes me think that maybe it might be young june's brother i don't know feels weird i don't know it might be like part of the e family in general like it might be jung jun himself i don't know about that one because i feel like they would have recognized each other but there's something there there's something there there's something there i don't know what it is but there's something there and then she receives a call from present park asking her to show up to a park the next day during the weekend, obviously, it's Young Jun's doing to try to dazzle her, you know, from the questionnaire that he gave her. And she shows up to the park and it's all dark and moody and gloomy, but we can tell that it's very highly decorated. It's just not lit up. And so when she gets there, he lights up the park in all sorts of pretty colors and it's very cute. It's very nice. I'm not going to take that away from him. It is a good time. And of course, he shows up and he's like, oh, did I keep you waiting? Did I, did I, did I do that? And I'm like, I know you've been waiting behind that fucking corner the entire time until you heard her show up. Like, do not pretend you haven't been here for 30 minutes, okay? <laughs> so that's how the episode ends. Okay. Of course, grand gestures are not going to erase his conniving self, but I will admit that this is a step in the general direction of the large 
abstract vicinity of a good choice. But the thing is, he's still using his powers to make her do things, and he's fucking marionetting her life a certain type of way, and I sure hope it's not rewarded. I want this man to simp. I want simping. I'm not going to hold my breath, though, because this is super par for the course for K-dramas. This is exactly how K-dramas go. You know how I said last episode that this man has nary a thought? I was wrong. I made a mistake. I will admit that. I take it back. I am sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know that he was an evil mastermind. Okay, I had no idea. So anyway, I'm incensed at what's supposed to pass for romance, but otherwise delighted by the twists and turns. What do you think? As always, if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so through email at koreandramarants at gmail.com. And if I posted anything on Instagram by the time this goes up, I'll keep this in, but I might not. So this you might not even hear this, but my Instagram, koreandramarants, is up and I am a newbie when it comes to taking any kinds of pictures, and I swear I'll try my best. My best is not very good. That's all I will say. All that to say, catch y'all next week with episode three of What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. Bye!